Good evening. If this podcast sounds a little different than normal, that's because it is. Uh, And uh, there is a reason for that and a reason that I have been delayed in getting it out. But uh, I'm going to keep you enhanced by that. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to get your Bibles out and uh, be turning to Matthew 12th chapter. And after I preach this sermon, I get done with it. I'll give you an explanation as to why the podcast is somewhat different today. But get your Bible out and turn to Matthew the 12th chapter. And you might want to get a pen and a piece of paper and jot down some scriptures because I'm going to be looking at a lot of scripture and uh, it's going to be kind of hard to keep up with. But in Matthew, the 12th chapter, we'll begin reading in a minute. Now, let me start off by saying this. The devil would like nothing more than for us to believe what we see in the natural world is all that there is, the right here, right now. He'd love for us to think that the supernatural exists only in popular novels or TV shows or uh, movies. And let me tell you something, that is deception of the darkest and most dangerous sort. Because I want you to understand beyond the shadow of a doubt, the devil is real. And he is obsessed with your destruction. And not only is he real, but he leads an army of ancient menacing beings who exist upon the plains of an unseen world. And they stalk about with malicious intent. And that is to destroy you. So... Another thing that we're going to see as we read this scripture here in just a minute is the devil and his menacing beings seek bodies to inhabit. And we're going to see that right now as we begin reading in Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 43. And this is Jesus himself speaking. And it says, when the unclean spirit got is gone out of a man, he walketh, that word walketh means goes through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into the house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. That word garnished means put in order. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, when you hear these words, you wonder what in the world is Jesus talking about? And what Jesus was describing was the attitude of the nation of Israel and the religious leaders in particular. And there's a couple of things that we need to see from this particular scripture. The first one is just cleaning up one's life without filling it with God leaves plenty of room for Satan to enter in. Ridding one's life of sin is is only the first step. We also must take a second step, and that second step that we have to take is that we have to fill our lives with God's Word and the Holy Spirit. reason I say that is an unfilled and complacent people are easy targets for Satan. Another thing that we need to see from that scripture we just read, demons grow tired outside of the body. Whatever their specific task may be, the activity becomes more strenuous for the demon when it is outside a human vessel. But by contrast, when they're in a body, demons can possess great strength, as we're going to see in this following story. I want you to turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter, and I want you to look in verse 2. 
It says, and when he, talking about Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters, or that word fetters is shackles and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder or pulled apart by him and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. Now, what I want you to understand Although we can't not be sure why demon possession occurs, we know that an unclean spirit uses a human body to distort and to destroy man's relationship with God and his likeness to him. Even today, whether you want to admit it or not, demons are very dangerous. They are very powerful. They are very destructive. And it is important to recognize that evil activity, any involvement with this, any any curiosity about their uh, 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 activity, we, we must not be involved in it with any kind of dominic forces. We can't be curious about them in any way. And the reason I say that is this. If we resist the devil and his influences, he will flee from us. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells us that in James 4, 7. So it seems that demons are more effective when carrying out their purpose through a human vessel. The reason being, the further, firmer their their grasp upon the physical world, the more effective they can be. This is why they seek people to possess. But there are also some people demons cannot possess. Now, as we're having this discussion about the devil and all of his little menacing beings, any kind of discussion of the demonic starts with understanding that there are only two kingdoms, folks. You have the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, however you want to say it, and the kingdom of darkness. That's it. We know God, the Father, is the ultimate ruler of all and that Christ is seated at his right hand. Well, the Bible tells us that. Let's flip over to Colossians, the third chapter, and look in verse 1. The Bible tells us there, if ye, the, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, which where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Everything that I tell you today about the devil and his menacing beings, I'm going to back up with scripture. And by the way, I forgot to tell you this earlier in this sermon, but the title of this sermon is Can Demons Possess Christians? And that's a question mark. Can demons possess Christians? Now, we just read that Jesus is seated in the right at the right hand of God, and we know the, the kingdom of God exists, and it is in play. It is at full strength right now. But the kingdom of darkness is also in operation, and though it is ultimately defeated, anyone who is not a part of God's kingdom is under its control. Now, let's, let, let me show you that here in some verses. I want to flip back to John, the eighth chapter, because in John, the 8th chapter, if we look in verse 34, I believe it is. Yeah, John 8, 34, the Bible tells us, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth 
sin is the slave of sin. The Bible says the servant of sin, but but uh, the servant of sin uh, translate out to a slave of sin. Now, if you go way back to the back of the Bible, to 1 John, in 1 John, the fifth chapter, verse 19, we will, we will read there another verse backing that up, which says, uh, 1 John 5, 19 says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Now, I know what you might be sitting there thinking as you're listening to this. You might be thinking, well, preacher, Christians commit sins. And you're absolutely right. Of course we do. You sin, I sin, everybody sin. But here's the thing. When we do, we ask God to forgive us, and then we continue serving Him. Why do, is that so important? Because God has freed us from the slavery to Satan, and He keeps, keeps us safe from Satan's continued attacks. You see, the rest of the world does not have the Christian freedom to obey God. There's only one way they can have it, and that is unless they come to Christ in faith, they have no choice but to obey Satan. There's no middle ground. People either belong to God and obey him, or they live under Satan's control. Now, from their attempts to possess mankind and keep us enslaved to sin, it is obvious once we think about this and consider this, that demonic beings desire to dominate mankind to build their kingdom. Ever since Adam and Eve, back in the Garden of Eden, were tempted by Satan and he took man's dominion in the Garden of Eden, there has been this ongoing war between mankind and the forces of hell. And when I say the forces of hell, I'm talking about Satan, I'm talking about fallen angels, I'm talking about demons. But there's this ongoing war between mankind and the forces of hell for influence in the earth. Now we're going to read about that. We need to turn to the book of Acts, the 26th chapter, and, and we'll, we'll uh, read that real quick. If I can find it here in my Bible, Acts the 26th chapter, verse 18, says, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart by faith that is in me. Now, this battle can also be referenced over in the book of Ephesians. If we go to Ephesians, the second chapter, and look in verse 2, we will read there, wherein in times past you walk according to the course of this world, or the age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, what I want you to see in this verse we just read in Ephesians 2, Paul's readers believed Satan and the evil spiritual forces inhabited the region between the earth and the sky. Now, I'm going to tell you what I believe 
And uh, if you don't agree with this, get in contact with me and we can argue about it. But you've always heard it said, or not heard it said maybe, but in your Bible study, you've seen first heaven, second heaven, and third heaven. I believe that first heaven is right here on earth, where we are. You, you've heard the term heaven on earth, and, and I believe that. But somewhere up above us, I can't tell you exactly where it starts, but somewhere up towards the sky is where you find second heaven. And it goes from there up to the sky. And that's where the devil and his evil spiritual forces inhabit that region. And and I want to tell you, in that region, there is a spiritual battle waging between good and evil that you cannot fathom. I mean, it is all out brutal war is what it is. And then you go up to third heaven. That's where God is. And we know that the devil is not there because I being uh, uh, an old Texas boy, I believe God had some Texican in him and, and God took his size, whatever boot that he wears and he booted Satan right out of there. And so, uh, but, but Satan is real and there is some place where he is and he rules. So we see that Satan is thus pictured as a ruling evil spiritual kingdom and the demons are those who are against God. Now, I realize, and you did too, in his resurrection, Christ was victorious over the devil and his power. You know, when the devil saw Satan hanging on the cross, he thought, man, I've got him. I've got him right where I want him. I've got him whooped now. But you see, the Bible tells us three days later that he came up out of that tomb. And we just read a while ago there in Colossians that he sits at, at God's right hand. And that's where Satan lost the battle right there. He lost the war right there. So, therefore, Jesus Christ is the permanent ruler of the whole world. Satan is only the temporary ruler of the part of the world uh, that, that chooses to follow him. But, Satan wants to build his kingdom. And by how does he do that? Well, he tempts us to disobey God, just as he did Adam and Eve. Through disobedience, people become slaves. So Satan and his demonic forces have systemized their efforts to focus on one thing, and that's causing man to disobey. And these such systemized attacks are carried out in a very organized manner. Now, I don't want you to think for one minute that that Satan is this idiot because he's not. He's very evil. He's very conniving. He's very devious. And he don't care what means he has to use to, di- to get you to disobey That's all he wants to do. And that's what demonic beings do. They work to ensure that many stay blind and therefore prone to reject Christ. But on the other hand, those who have been redeemed by Christ are no longer enslaved to the kingdom of darkness. Let me show you here real quick. Let's go to Colossians again and and let's look in chapter one of Colossians and uh, verse 3, uh, 13, I'm sorry, Colossians 1 verse 13 says, 
who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us. That word translated means transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. His dear son is literally son of his love. Now, the Colossians, like the Ephesians, feared the unseen forces of darkness. But Paul says that true believers have been transferred from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from guilt to forgiveness, from the power of Satan to the power of God. We have been rescued, in other words, from a rebel kingdom to serve the rightful king. Folks, our conduct should reflect our new allegiance. Now, here's something that I need to interject here right now. There's a lot of people who say they're Christian. There's a lot of people who say they are believers, followers of Christ. But many people avoid fully committing their lives to Christ because they believe the Christian life is limiting and oppressive. And that can't be farther from the truth. That, the, the truth is just the opposite of that. Without Christ... People are slaves to sin. They are subject to degrading lifestyles, destructive lifestyles. Whether they realize it or not, whether they want to admit it or not, those who live in sin are bound. They're not free. They are subjects of the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is rooted in rebellion. It is made up of all that resist the will of God. Now, as I told you earlier, because he was the first to rebel, Satan is the leader of the dark kingdom. I told you all ago that God uh, booted him out of heaven. But I want you to understand that not even Jesus denies Satan rule over the, the sinful world. He, he, he does not deny Satan's rule over the sinful at all. You remember after Jesus was baptized, he went down to the River Jordan and John the Baptist baptized him. And you remember that the, it says that the Spirit of God descended on him as a dove. And he says, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. And right after that, Jesus was was taken out into the desert and tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you remember when when tempting Jesus in the wilderness, Satan offered him the kingdoms of the world if Jesus would just bow down and worship him. Have you ever thought about why he did that? Well, I can tell you why he did it is because he could. Jesus had a free will just like you and I did. But, you know, you stop and think about it. Given the fact that Christ is all-knowing, why would Satan offer Jesus all the nations of the world if they weren't his to give? Well, it's very difficult to tempt someone with something they know you cannot give. You know, it'd be just like me trying to tempt someone and tell them I'm going to give you a billion dollars. Well, they're not going to buy that because they know I don't have a billion dollars to give. So you can't tempt someone with something you cannot give. But rather than deny that Satan could give him the world, Christ instead chose to resist his temptation. You know, and Jesus knows Satan has influence in the earth through the kingdom of darkness. Something else he also acknowledges is the demons are subject to the rule and the authority of Satan. The religious people of Jesus' day, 
They watched him cast out demons, cast demons out of people. And after seeing that done, seeing that accomplished, these religious leaders accused him of doing so under the authority of Satan. Jesus, of course, he wasn't going to stand for that. So he corrected the accusation while revealing Satan as the kingdom of demons. And, and and this is the thing. It's just like when we are accused falsely. You know, it, it puts a burden on us because we have to go out of our way to prove it's not true. Well, I want to show you something here real quick. I want to go back to the Gospel of Mark, the third chapter. And I want to read you a couple of verses there. Mark, the third chapter. I want you to look in verse 22 and 24. Mark, the third chapter, verse 22 says, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils cast, casteth he out devils. The prince of the devils, that, that is the ruler of the demons. In other words, Satan. Verse 23, And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. So these scribes, they brought this nonsensical accusation against Jesus. They tried to say that Jesus was driving out demons by the power of the prince of the devil. In other words, that Jesus' power came from Satan and not for God. They wanted the people to believe that Jesus himself was possessed. If you go on down to verse 30 of that same chapter, Mark 3, verse 30, it says, because they said, talking about the scribes, he hath an unclean spirit. So this world, <coughs> excuse me, this would disprove his claims as the Messiah. And it would place Jesus instead on the same level, the same league with the devil. That's the reason they were trying to convince people of that. Now, I need to wrap this up. And I might not have said already in this sermon, but this is part one of a two-part uh, series. And I encouraged people at church Sunday to be back in church so we could answer the question, can demons possess Christians? There's one more thing I want to say before we wrap this up. And I want you to understand this perfectly, and I want you to understand this unequivocally. The more effective you are in your Christian life, the more extreme will be the attacks of the enemy. I want to say that again. The more effective you are in your Christian life, the more extreme will be the attacks of the enemy. Now, if you don't believe me, you just start doing Christian work. You start trying to lead people to Christ. You start doing the things God wants you to do, and you see what happens. And I want to tell you something. There's probably going to be false accusations made against you. And even these most ridiculous accusation will convince some when it's clearly packaged to sound uh, sincere, when it sounds uh, concerned. So what do we do when we find ourselves in that position? What do we do when people start falsely accusing us? 
We stand firm for the truth. Even when these clever attacks come, we stand firm for the truth. So Satan does indeed have some level of authority upon the earth because he was able to take power from man back in the Garden of Eden. Now, those who live in sin are subject to that dominion. We've already discussed that. They, they become puppets through their disobedience. They live out the will of Satan in, in earth, thus giving him influence. It's just like when if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, and you go out and, and, and you're among people, you're going to try to influence them with the Christian lifestyle. Well, people that are living in disobedience, they give Satan influence. They may not know they are. And I'm just like you. I, I know what you're thinking. Well, Barton, I know really, really good people, but I don't know if they're Christian. Well, I can tell you they are part of the kingdom of darkness. If they have not committed their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they are part of the kingdom of darkness. They are serving Satan and all of his little beings. However, though their authority is powerful, both Satan and his demons have limitations. Now, I said at the first of this podcast that it may sound somewhat different. And the reason for that is, well, there's actually two reasons. Number one, I have delayed trying. I, I, well, let me say this. I, I am recording this in my studio, or not studio, but in my study at home. And the reason for that is, uh, and the reason for the delay, I was pretty sick Sunday. And by the time I got through preaching, I couldn't hardly talk. And uh, I did go to the doctor and I've got some antibiotics. I'm doing better now. And so I went ahead to record this podcast. But the other reason I started recording this podcast Sunday at church, like I always do. And when I start the podcast, it's sitting there counting seconds. And I know exactly how long I have preached. And I always start the podcast, and before I start talking, I give it a second or two to make sure that it's going to go ahead and do what it's supposed to, and then I begin preaching. Well, somewhere in the middle of, of me preaching this sermon, the phone cut off, the recording cut off. I firmly believe that Satan was trying to keep this podcast from getting out. And I told folks that. I, I, I was preaching and I looked down and I saw that the phone had stopped recording and I just made the comment out loud, I can't believe I did that. Because I figured that I did something to stop the podcast. But I don't believe I did. I, I believe Satan is trying to keep this word from getting out there. He don't want this podcast available to anyone under any circumstances, but I'm not going to stand for it. I'm going to make it happen one way or the other. So I appreciate your patience waiting on this podcast. If you happen to be able to come to church Sunday, well, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll do part two and we'll finish answering the question and this will be next week's podcast will be the second part of this sermon can demons possess christians let's pray together 
and we'll wrap this up. Father God, we just thank you for the day that you blessed us with. We just thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, all the blessings that you bestow upon us each and every day, Father. Father, we ask that you guide us and direct us, that you continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live. Certainly, we ask that you forgive us where we fail you, Father, and just help us to to try harder. Try harder the next time, not to make the same mistake, to just get up and try harder and do better. Father, I know that uh, I'm, I'm doing this from home, but uh, we talked about it Sunday. We've got a lot of people that uh, we've got on our prayer list, and I, I just want to lift each and every one of them up to you today. And uh, I just pray that that special need that they have, that it is met, that you just wrap your loving arms around them and let them know that you love them, that you care for them, and and you want to help them. You want to do your will in their lives. Father, we just uh, also ask that you be with the church, the church family, that you bless each one of us, that you watch over us and help us, Father. And certainly we pray that you will bless us with rain that only you can provide. So, Father, just thank you for loving us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.